This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Welcome to Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbad Esnashari. This podcast is being brought to you by TheraOne CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, Bet Online, and of course, Blue Wire. Farbad, we are four games into what is essentially a thrilling first round series. It is tied 2 2. The Clippers and Dallas Mavericks have played to a standstill, essentially. If you look at net rating for the series, they're even. So it's, it's pretty wild to see how even the series has been. Game one, the Clippers win 118-110. Game two, Dallas wins 127-114. Game three, the Clippers win 130-122. And game four, which just took place on Sunday afternoon, the Dallas Mavericks beat the Los Angeles Clippers in overtime 135-133. We are going to cover these games, but because game four was the most fresh in our minds, we will talk about that first. So Farbod, game four was a very weird game. No Kristaps Porzingis. He was out with a knee issue, and he's been good in this series when he has played. Luka Doncic was a game-time decision with a bum ankle. He plays, and he's marvelous. He didn't fit, look he that ended, bum, though, man. What happened? His ankle didn't look that bum. No, I mean, it did early on, but as the game got underway, like, farther into it, yeah, it didn't look like he was limping anymore. Uh, Doncic finished with 43 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists, hits the game-winning shot. We're going to talk about that part in a little bit. But, you know, so Mavericks come and win game four to tie up the series because, like I said, the Clippers won in game one, 118-110. The Clippers were probably the better team in that game for the most part until – well, they were behind by like five or six points when Porzingis got ejected and the Clippers took control. But prior to that, the Clippers start on an 18-2 run to start the game. Dallas goes on a massive run themselves. Like it's, it's back and forth. But I did feel the Clippers were a little bit better at certain points than Dallas was. The Porzingis ejection happens, which I didn't agree with. I thought it was ridiculous. 
I thought the texts on Paul George and Porzingis in that game, like the individual ones were just stupid. So, you know, the Clippers end up eking that game out towards the towards the finish line. Game two, Dallas wins 127-114. They pretty much had control from the opening uh, from the opening bell, and they pretty much controlled the whole game for the most part. Like the Clippers had their chances. Uh, they had chances late in that game. Specifically, say that again. They led the entire game that game. Dallas did, yeah. Uh, the Clippers had chance late in the third quarter. They're down by two, but what ended up happening was Luka Doncic goes to the bench, and the bench line just throttled the Clippers, which has been a theme all series. Which Honestly, was- I, I thought that loss was as embarrassing as it was going to get and game four got even more embarrassing uh yeah you're not wrong well if game two is any indication doc rivers actually changed up for game three he takes out reggie jackson from the starting lineup reggie was starting in place of patrick beverly who played 20 minutes in game one wasn't able to go in game two has not played in any of the other games in this series Landry Shamit starts game three it's a great adjustment by doc rivers it was one i was super in, in favor of it needed to happen Shamit, while not being a good defender, is still adequate enough to not kill your starting lineup, especially at the point of attack. And it worked. The Clippers pretty much con- uh, controlled game three for 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 large swings. You know, they, they had a uh, a solid lead going to the fourth and then they kind of looked a little bit rickety in the fourth to some degree, but they still eke it out. You know, they win by eight. They were the better team. Uh, game four. You know, well, game three has the Doncic injury, which I don't want to gloss over. Doncic did get injured, but he came yeah, back in. He was so wild because he hobbled to the back by himself. And I was just like, what's going on? Like, why isn't anyone helping him? Yeah, that was a little strange. But he came back in. He wasn't good. And they even um, brought a wheelchair out for him. Yeah, he didn't use the wheelchair, but they brought it out for him. Uh, and then so let's talk. So the Clippers win game three, 131, 22. Let's talk game four. I know that's going to be the point of contention for a lot of people. It's a game that bothers me from a process standpoint. Not even I'm going to be honest with people and I really need to convey this. I don't care if the team wins or loses. Like I I care as like a quote fan, but like I don't get mad at losses unless the process to get to that point was utterly abysmal. And you know what, Farbon? Game four's process was pretty crappy, you know? It was just embarrassing. The whole the whole series, everyone who's been watching from the outside's like, oh, okay, there's gonna come a moment where the Clippers punch these guys in the mouth and just take over. And that was game four. They punched him in the mouth and they're up twenty one early and there's no Porzingis and like this is your time to step on their throats, win by thirty, and then go up three one and then just win the series. Like that was all it was it was pretty cut and dry. And then to not have Porzingis, who's like their X Factor two Although now, I mean, the thing nobody was expecting is that Seth Curry is one of their X factors. You know, like no, no one expected him and Trey Burke to be what they're doing. Um, just to to lose that game on paper, to lose a game where you're up 21 points with no Porzingis is it's abysmal. It's embarrassing. You deserve slander. It's trash. Yeah, uh, they're up 21. It's 54-33 at the 729 mark in the second quarter. So yeah, it's still early. Teams come back from these deficits all the time to make it a game. The Clippers, so structurally, this is my problem with what the Clippers have been doing. Number one, in game three, so okay, actually, let's dial this back to game two. 
In game two, Boban Marjanovic kills Montrezl Harrell off the bench, just obliterates him. Clippers have no answer for Boban when Harrell's in the game. Game two, the Mavericks just kill that matchup all, all game long whenever he's in. Game three, Doc Rivers finally adjusts. He takes out Avica Zubats earlier and then brings back in Zubats to play against Boban Marjanovic. Marjanovic doesn't have a good game. Clippers are the better team, yada, yada, yada. Game four, just when you thought like, okay, he's learned. Don't let Montrezl Harrell face Boban Marjanovic. Well, he let him face Boban Marjanovic. And when you end up going back and looking through everything, it's pretty damn dismal. Pretty damn dismal. Montrezl Harrell in 17 minutes and 18 seconds, minus 19. I'm sorry. He can't play in this series. I like Montrezl Harrell as a person. I like him as a player. He can't play in this series. It can't happen. It's not able to be done. Here's the reasoning, too. It's not like, oh, he just shouldn't play in this matchup. I don't think it's a good matchup for him. That's not why. He hasn't played basketball in five months. And you're asking him to go out there in a pivotal series that you have to win on a game-by-game basis. And you're asking him to do these things that he just can't do right now because, A, the matchup sucks, He does, and, B, he doesn't have the conditioning and the ability to be in the right spots because he hasn't been able to have actual practices for five months. You know when they should have actually started playing Montrez Harrell Farbod? Next series. They shouldn't even have bothered with him in this series because you could have gotten more practice time for him to get a speed up for next round by finishing this round early. Yeah, I mean, I think if it wasn't going against Boban, it would have been okay to play him in the series. Like if he was going against Kleba and Dwight or Powell. Dwight Powell. Mm-hmm. Or even Dwight Powell, who's injured. Like, yeah, if Dwight Powell is starting like normal or something, and then it's just, it's just that's the only player he can't go against right now. That's the only one where you're like, just don't do it. Like whatever you do, there are two things where I'm like, just don't do these two things and I'll be happy. One, don't put Trez on Boban. Two, don't put Reggie on Luca. That's it. You don't do those two things, I'll be happy. And somehow those two things happened in game four. And I'm like, what the F? I thought we had a conversation about this in game three. I thought that we avoided it. And somehow we went back to it in game four. It's just, it's, it's, it boggles my mind to see Doc Rivers pregame comments and then see Doc Rivers postgame comments and even his stuff in the game, they completely fly in the face of each other. 100% fly in the face of each other. Pregame of game four, Doc Rivers talked about how he didn't want to play Lou Williams and, and Reggie Jackson together because of the defense reasons. Yeah, you didn't want to play them together, sir. You played them together for 26 minutes. Well, he said he didn't want to play them together, but he didn't want to play Lou and Sham even more. Yeah, it's insane. I don't know. The way he treats Reggie Jackson is very similar to the way he treats Avery Bradley, where it was just like he was just he was being stubborn about it until like decided not to be. You know what the crazy part is? Here's the here's the fun part. So last night I was annoyed, like I said, not because they lost, but in the way that they lost, because it was really stupid. So I started looking at stuff for the series and I'm like, all right, Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams have to be pretty bad together. This series, like it it can't even be like a question. And then I looked it up and I'm like, wow, they're actually a positive on the court together. That's weird. And I was like, I wonder why that is. So I plugged in Montrez Harrell with them in 32 minutes of Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson and Montrez Harrell. The team is minus 13. Do you know what it goes up to when you just remove Montrez Harrell? Nope. 
The team is plus 40 in 32 minutes with just Williams and Jackson on the floor, but Harrell off. They've played the same amount of minutes with and without Montrezl Harrell together. And they're plus 40 without him and minus 13 with them. I don't know. Maybe just don't play the guy who's not helping you. Like, I understand. I've crapped on Reggie Jackson a ton. I think he's been awful. I think he's great at catch and shoot threes, and that's literally it. And I understand defensively he's awful. However, if you're going to play Reggie Jackson, you can't play Montrezl Harrell. And I just don't think you should play Montrezl Harrell regardless. He's still going to do it, and it's still going to piss me off. But I just have to keep hammering that fact home. Just stop playing him. They're not going to not play Trez. They just have to play him better. Like, I personally, I'm like... I'd Start rather, him! I'd rather even have him go against Porzingis than Boban. Just anyone except Boban. They're not even running pick and rolls at Boban, bro. Like, yes. like, like, what are they, like, what are you doing? Like, the one thing he can't defend and you're just like, no, we're just going to... We're just going to do some dumb crap with him and just see what happens. Like, what are you doing? And it's just completely, it's completely maddening. It's pissed me off beyond belief. Uh, it's just, it's just insane. Hey, Casey, the thing is like, this is the series they kept saying they wanted nonstop. So if this is the series you wanted, you should, and this is how you play, then start playing like it's the series you didn't want. Cause you're clearly playing way too comfortable. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wersland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, 
NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, so someone sent me something on Twitter and well, Paul Shear uh, on Twitter, he messaged or he he was in my mentions and he said, you know, when Boston went to seven games with Atlanta back in 2008, that first round series, which I believe was a one eight matchup that year, that's the year Boston wins the title and they go to seven games with an eight seed. He goes, is it like didn't this kind of happen with them, too? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'll go look it up. Well, someone else looked it up for me and I and I appreciate them for doing that um because i'm going to be completely honest with you i have been i've never been as frustrated watching games over again and over again and over again than i have been with this stuff so it was very frustrating to me to see, to see this level of stuff like end up happening and so the guy was like hey and his name his twitter handle is a j a l k i r e if you want to follow him Shout out to that guy. He gave me, he gave me, uh, thank you, AJ. You put us onto this. All right. So in, on, on, I can't even talk on April 30th, 2008, a column was written in the Boston globe by Peter May about the seven game series by the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the one, like I said, the one that went seven games, it was the first round one versus eight. The Celtics win game seven by 34 points. Obviously that's, that's a big deal. Uh, that series was also 2-2 after four games. Boston won the first two games. Atlanta won the next two. So Atlanta defended home court and all that stuff. Uh, Boston goes on to blow them out in game five. Atlanta wins a nail-biter game six. Boston blows them out game seven. Here's what was written by Peter May of the of, on the Boston Globe uh, staff, April 30th, 2008, right, at, uh, I believe, either before or after game five uh, of that series. You ready? The problem wasn't the absence of Tony Allen. The problem was the inability of the five guys on the floor who did all right most of the year to make the necessary adjustments to stop Johnson. The Johnson he's referring to is Joe Johnson. Or if you want to throw Rivers under the bus, the problem was the coach leaving five players out there who didn't make the necessary adjustments to stop Johnson. Rivers didn't absolve himself by any means, admitting the Celtics could have and probably should have done things differently such as, perhaps, double-teaming Johnson to make him give up the ball. They tried that once, and Johnson faked one way, went the other, and drew a blocking foul. Good for two free throws. Quote, There were too many breakdowns that are preventable, said Rivers. We've been a good defensive team all year. We haven't been for the last two games. So this is prior to Game 5, and here's the thing. It's 12 years since then, and nothing has changed. The teams changed. The coaching style didn't. I'm sorry. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. What are you doing? I mean, it's just you replace Tony Allen with Patrick Beverly. You, may, you replace Joe Johnson and Luka Doncic, although Luka Doncic is way better than Joe Johnson ever was. But it's like, I don't know, man. There's a reason why Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year and why – like that's as much as I can say, you know, there's, there's a reason why Nick nurse won coach of the year. And there's a reason why the Clippers are 
about to enter game five up uh, tied 2-2 instead of up 3-1. Or hell, they should personally, in my opinion, and I'm sure Mavs fans won't agree with it, like these guys should have swept them. It's it's like their two losses are embarrassing. You should never lose when Luka is on the bench and you lose to like Seth Curry, Boban, and Trey Burke. Like that's what you lost to in game two. And then game four, you lost the 21 point. Like, and then even game, like even game four, like Lou misses the free throw. Okay. Unfortunate. They take the dumbest game winner attempt ever with Kawhi like before the overtime like what how was that the play you drew up and then the single coverage on reggie it's just like every dumb thing you can do they keep doing where it's like this is why you're not winning coach of the year this is why certain things aren't falling for you um and paul george is a whole separate story too because that is he's got he's giving me shades of the clippers versus the rockets I'll get to him in a second. I, I really will. Um, what really plagued them in overtime, honestly, like, yeah, they Reggie was in there and I, and I get that. I I'm a big advocate. He shouldn't have been in the game. I'm a hundred percent with everyone who says that at the end of the day, he was in the game and I have to live with it. You have to live with it. We all got to live with it. He was in the game. What lost them the game in overtime more than anything they had two chances for for defensive rebounds and didn't get them. L- those two offensive rebounds by Dallas led to five points, all five points by Trey Burke. On one of them, Lou Williams just refuses to box out against, I believe it was Tim Hardaway Jr. or it was Dorian Finney-Smith. It was one of them. The second one, as the shot goes up from Luka Doncic, as Paul George contested beautifully on the right wing, it's a step back three, contested beautifully. Massive freaking air ball. Okay, as the ball's in the air, Marcus Morris looks to his right and sees Trey Burke start to break along the baseline to get the rebound. He stares right at him for longer than two seconds, looks right at him and lets him go right past him on the baseline. Trey Burke gets the ball on the rebound right into his hands, dribbles out the other side, takes an uncontested 18 footer, knocks it in. I'm sorry. When the other team gifts you missed shots off of bad possessions and you don't go get the rebound out of sheer will because you're too lazy to go get it, that's a problem. I don't care who the coach is at that point. Do better. It's disgraceful. It's pathetic. It's beyond ridiculous. On top of that, they had like three separate chances to push their lead. Like they in overtime, they, I believe they had three separate chances with the ball and a lead and blew all of them. Just flat out blew all of them. One of them was a turnover. Another one was Paul George's missed layup. Like they, they, they had their chances. The Lou Williams, as, as you mentioned, the Lou Williams missed free throw at the end of regulation. The Kawhi pull up to win the game. Like those are missed chances. Like you cannot get this team in front of you that is fighting for their life and continue to give them just to give them lifeline after lifeline after lifeline. You're killing yourself and they don't do anything about it. It is absolutely unfathomable to me that this team has found the two dumbest ways to lose games out of the first four. Yeah. The, the thing I'm concerned about too, is like, well, what if Kawhi has a bad game? Yeah. Or is it just one of those things where. Prior to the fourth. Oh yeah. Prior to the fourth, but in the fourth, he, he didn't, but it's like, are Kawhi and Luca just incapable of having bad games this series? Is that, is that what's, 
because like because the ways that they're losing are are winning and losing are so different each game, but certain things are the same trends. Like Kawhi, they can't stop Trey Burke and Curry. Luca keeps dominating. Trey Burke and Curry keep dominating. Uh, Lou Will seems to be pretty decent uh, for like three of the games. And then Paul George is bad. And then Zubats is good. Marcus Morris is good almost every single game. So it's like there's those consistencies, but then the games themselves are not consistent. They need to play Zubats more. They really do. Um, I know I've, I've, I, that's not going to fix everything. It fixes a lot of stuff, though, because it means less Montrezl Harrell. It means you have a shot blocker in the paint to help against Luka Doncic, who is isn't driving against, against Luka. Yeah, he's not driving against Avica Zubats. Like, yeah, like, to be honest. And when he like, does, they're hard shots. Like, to be honest, instead of Reggie on Luka, like, you have so many options. Like, I'd rather have Jermichael Green. I'd rather have Zubat. Like, I'd rather have Zubats on Luka than so. Reggie. So before talking about Paul George, I want to mention one thing. If you could go back and do it. And honestly, I was pissed off about the decision to leave Reggie in for that final possession, even before the shot was in the air. Like, so I'm not talking about this from a result standpoint. If you had the choice. So Doc takes out Lou Williams for Landry Shamit. Fine. That's good. I like that. Who would you have taken out for Reggie Jackson? Or who would you have taken Reggie Jackson out for? I'd put in Jermichael Green. Okay, I thought about that. I settled on Zubats, and I'm going to tell you why. Either, because either, option fine. either option would have been fine. Yeah, here's why I would have rolled with Zubats there. 3.7 seconds to go. Park his ass in the paint and tell him to not move. You're up by one. They're not going to call a defense of three seconds. They're not. Because that's an insane call to make in that game, even if it might be the right call at times. Because by the time the shot goes up in the air, there's no defensive three seconds anymore. So, should have put Zubats in and parked him in the paint. And by parking him in the paint, you literally could have played any style of defense to ball deny Luka Doncic that you wanted to. You could have switched. You could have hedged. You could have trapped. You could have doubled. You could have just fronted. You could have done literally anything. And instead, they put Reggie Jackson in there. On a they single didn't coverage. In single coverage, Reggie Jackson gets screened twice and switches twice. And I don't blame Reggie Jackson. I'm saying that right now. I do not blame Reggie Jackson for what happened. That is not his fault. If you watch the film, he, did as he good actually as gets a really good contest. It's just a hell of a shot. However, I blame the person who put him in that position because he should have never been in that position in the first place. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Ralph Lawler said it was the worst playoff loss in Clipper history. I mean, I'm going to disagree because Houston will always be worse. But like, that's like a, that's like a top three worst losses in Clipper history ever. Now, if they, if they rally and win games five and six or five or five and seven or whatever, if they rally, then this game doesn't mean anything. But if they don't, then this will go down as like a bottom three moment in Clipper history. I still think this game means something. Maybe not like even if they win the series, I'm not going to be like, wow, like, hey, they still like because this is a bigger issue. Nothing has changed. I read the Boston Globe thing. It's been 12 years. Nothing changes. When I, when I still, say it doesn't matter, though, I just mean in the grand scheme of the outside world looking at, you know, this series. I, because no, no one remembered that series you just said right now in the grand scheme of things. 
That's true. That that you're you're one hundred percent right. I also look at it as by not winning on Sunday, they screwed themselves out of potentially more rest because the yeah. NBA is not going to stop. They're going to keep chugging these series out like that. Like you, you're only going to get two days off at the most if you finish this in six. So you better get it done, or else you're screwed from that standpoint. Now, and I also think something something worse I gotta is do going it. with Pat, and they're just not saying it. Paul George. Paul George, where have you been? Offensively? On Instagram, dude. Offensively? Yeah. Offensively since game one. Abysmal shooting the ball. I will say this about him. I think he has done everything else pretty well. I think he's passed well. I think he's rebounded well. I think he's playmaked well. I think he's defended pretty solidly for the most part at times. Uh, Sometimes he gets too upright, and that's another thing. I think everything else has been fine to good. In fact, I'm sorry, bro. I need you to make some shots. I'm sorry. I love you. Yeah. I mean, even in the overtime, like, how did you miss that layup, man? I don't even care about the missed layup because that happens. That, nah, that, nah, nah, nah. Now like, you're like three for 17 or whatever. Like just hit the, just hit the damn layup. You know what I mean? Like if you're three for 17, you're in overtime, you have a chance to win the game. They can win despite you shooting poorly. The least you can do is hit the layup. No, I, 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 I 100% get that. I get that. Like if you just make the layup, everything's easier. You're up by four and boom, like everything looks great. I, I get it. I get it. My bigger problem more than anything He's four of 25 from three. And a lot of these are four of 25 from three since game one. So in the last three games, four of 25 from three, he's 10 of 47 from the field, which is almost impossible to do when you're that good of an offensive player. He's only gotten uh, 10 shots inside of 10, uh, inside of eight feet in that time. He's four of 10. He's not driving to score. He's very tentative shooting over the top of people and he's missing his wide open looks. Bro, I don't care about last year. I don't care about two years ago. I don't give a damn about any of that. I don't. Make your shots. I don't care about your reputation. None of that. If you ain't making your shots and that's your calling card and you have to be the second pl- the second best scorer on the team, I'm sorry, dude. You've been like crap. You've been yeah, I crappy. Don't, I don't get it, especially from the standpoint of like, he was really good all bubble. Literally all bubble was like, oh, wow, this guy's doing better than Kawhi. And then he was good in game one. And it was and then it's just like he just never reappeared. And it's like, so is this guy hurt? Like, is he really that sensitive where he's up on Instagram every day, checking comments on everything? And he's just in his own head. Like, I would feel better if he was if some report came out saying he was hurt because this shit like it doesn't make any sense. He was 10 of 22 from the field in game one. He is 10 of 47 since then. He's taken 25 more shots and made the same amount. I could throw the ball one like over the top of my head from half court. I'm not saying I would make one out of 25, but I might have. I might. Okay. So it's been awful. You're looking at his numbers here from over the last three games, 10 of 47 overall, four of 25 from three, four of 25 from three is bad. He's six of 22 from two. He ain't even making twos. Okay. He's all of eight on wide open threes. He's four of 15 on open threes. That's four. Oh my God. Like it's insane. It's four of 23 on open or wide open threes. He's not making them. And as you said, Farbod, 
He was great in the bubble. If you look at his bubble numbers, 30 points, 28 points, 23 points, 24, 21, 27. All but one of those games was at 45% from the field or better. Uh, all but one of those he, games were 40% from three or better. Like, he was driving in a lot. He too, drove into the... I might go back and watch game one to see if something happened to him. Yeah, because this doesn't even make sense. Because he's not dumb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you if you know your shot isn't falling, you should take it on the inside and get contact and get fouls. Like, you're not and dumb. He, you should know this. If I know this, you know this. Like, I, there's got to be something else there. And here's the other thing. In game three, he was three of 16. And I actually thought he played very well. Because he had nine assists or whatever. He had nine rebounds, seven assists, but he was moving the ball. He was a great playmaker to zoo and pick and rolls. He was finding open shooters. He was defending at a high level. He was doing all these things. And then game four came. And while he did rebound well and he did pass solidly, I don't know. It just felt worse. Like if I wouldn't watch him on the floor in game four compared to game three. And like I said, in game three, he shot worse. He was three of 16 in game three, three of 14 in game four. He shot worse in game three, but he was worse in game four. His so, impact was worse in game four. So, so what do you think happens moving forward? Game five, six, seven. I don't know. Cause now there's a mental, uh, now, now you're asking me to examine the mental side and I don't know. Um, because that's a killer shot to deal with mentally. That's a killer. Cause now I don't really believe too much in momentum, but now Dallas believes they can do it. I don't think like I thought I know Dallas believed they could do it before, but that shot, I with, especially without Porzingis, I think really let them have the mindset of like, oh, yeah, like we, we can definitely do this. Well, I think they already uh, thought that at the end of game two, if they could do it with Luca playing like five minutes in the second half. Yeah, uh, I think the Clippers win game five. I, th- I think the Clippers are going to realize, like, we have to win game five. Like, we, you do not want to be down. Well, that's how it felt in game four. That they were like, oh, we have to win game four. And they stomped him in the mouth and then just blew it. I'm tired of watching them blow big leads. And I'm yeah, not talking, like, first quarter leads. The last year's Clippers. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, I think the Clippers win game five. I'll say that. I think that I think they win game five. I'll say this, buddy. My 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 Clippers in six prediction, at least the six games looks good. Well, it's so interesting too, because every Clipper media guy I talk to is like, I don't feel good about this anymore. And like some of them are like, Yeah, they're gonna lose. They're just not a championship team. It is what it is. A lot of the Clipper media guys I'm talking to. And then when I talk to the non-Clipper people, they're just like, LOL, chill, dude. Like you guys have Kawhi. It's fine. And they're and they're like Kawhi was down 2-0 against MVP Giannis, and he won. So chill out. I understand that. It don't matter. It doesn't. They have Kawhi, and they're still doing this crap. It doesn't matter. It kind of just feels like, honestly, it feels like Luka might be the best player in the NBA right now. He's a hell of a freaking player, man. And I I didn't – I'm going to tell you why I didn't want to play Dallas. Everyone – I know a lot of people were like, bring me Dallas, bring me Dallas. They're, they're not physical, like blah, 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 all this stuff. I mean, I, I was it. all about Dallas. I just didn't expect Seth Curry and Trey Burke like just to destroy everything all the time. So, so a lot has been made about how well Luke has been playing. Those two have been the biggest difference makers because if they're not playing as well as they're playing, Dallas is done. 
like already home. So as much credit as Luka Doncic is rightfully getting, let me repeat that again. Even is hitting shots, it's done. You'd have those 18 to two starts all the time. Yeah, like Tim Hardaway Jr. has been good. Boba Marjanovic has been good. Seth Curry, Trey Burke has been good, have been good. Kristaps has been good. Like all their guys are stepping up. And here's the thing. If you're a Clipper fan, I swear to God, this is the thing. And I'm trying not to freak out and I'm trying not to freak people out. So let me give you some positivity. If you are a Clipper fan and you're looking at this series from the grand scheme of things through four games, and you're trying to find any, any semblance of uh, positivity and, hey, this really might not be as bad as it is, okay? I will give you something that at least will alleviate some of your concerns. Tim Hardaway Jr. is averaging 19 and a half. Seth Curry's 16 and a half. Trey Burke's 13.3. Jeez. Those three role players... I, I even looked this up yesterday because I was very curious about something. I wanted to understand how much like Curry, Burke, and Hardaway have like kind of done in the in the series. In the series, Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, and Trey Burke are combining for forty nine point three points per game on a sixty four and a half true shooting percentage. Those are three role players that are playing way above their heads. So you would expect at some point they would come back down to earth. However, as we have seen in the postseason because of small sample sizes, sometimes that doesn't happen until the next series. So maybe what the Clippers need to wait out is this hot shooting. But now you got guys who have confidence on their end and you have a superstar on your end who has no confidence and you're trying to figure everything out because you're short-manned in terms of Patrick Beverly, and that is not an excuse. I don't want to hear that as an excuse. I'm mentioning it because it is happening, but that's not an excuse for why the Clippers are playing the way they're playing. The Clippers need to figure it out, or else in three days, Farbod, by Thursday night, they could be back in Los Angeles. And they're going to only have themselves to blame if they're not careful. I mean... That sounds like the end of the show. <laughs> you got anything you want to say to anybody? No. You want to tell your mom you love her? No, I already told yours. That's mean. <laughs> Damn, I didn't even do anything to you. All right, we'll be back uh, in a couple of days. You know what? I'll say this, Farbod. We'll be back when the series is over. And yeah. we're either going to be v- very relieved or very frustrated. One of the two. So folks, the next game is Tuesday, August 25th. It will be at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Tune in. We thank you for listening. We understand it's a 2-2 series and we sound like we're freaking out. It is frustrating. You're allowed to be frustrated. Also look at the bright side. So everyone stay healthy, stay happy, have a fun day. See you. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day 
all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.